0: Welcome to another episode of Share a Slice with Sean. This week, I'm happy to have author and transhumanist Nicole Salak-Anderson from California. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you, Sean. I guess what drew me to you is that um, I recently saw a couple of documentaries about life prolongment, so basically the idea of increasing our longevity. And... um, One term that came in there was, towards the end of the show, sort of tacked on, was the idea of transhumanism. And uh, I started, so I started taking a look at that. Um, I guess, Nicole, uh, you consider yourself to be a transhumanist. Um, What is transhumanism?
1: Well, you know, it's an interesting uh, concept because Radical Life Extension, or actually I think the um, full goal that some people would think is an immortality, but really it's about prolonging human life in addition to using technology to bring about the next evolution of humanity. Um, uh, evolution has been occurring for millennia um, and and waiting for genes to change for their environments, but transhumanists in general feel that you can use technology to sort of give that a boost, whether it's gene editing or... Um, Uh, biohacking or even using robots or uh, other sorts of um, technologies or uh, hormone supplements even to expand and um, bring more uh, humanity to just the next level of existence. And and living longer is a part of that, but so is intelligence, increasing intelligence, um, adapting to the environmental toxins that are in the air uh, and things like that.
0: Wow, there's already so much there I can go yeah. with. I mean... Well, and,
1: you know, and the other piece of it is that I didn't actually think of myself as a transhumanist. They sort of, the transhumanist world sort of found me because when I began writing novels, they focused around this idea of combining humanity with technology in order to improve our lives.
0: Like, let me even zero in on one part of that I that right. kind of blew my mind was the idea <laughs> of us... Um, somehow evolving or augmenting our, our physical forms to be able to deal better with our environment, which really, that is evolution, I mean, if it, in a nutshell. And I never thought, you know, everybody's talking about all the toxins and things in the environment. I don't think anyone could deny that uh, there's a lot of crap these days in the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, the people who are to survive are the people who will be able to live in whatever new environment um, comes our way.
1: Yes. And so a transhumanist would say, why wait for our own genes to go ahead and do that? Are there things that we can use that we know scientifically using the the scientific process to encourage that?
0: And so I guess another term here that I have that I got from the uh, documentary uh, was the idea of a singularity. And this is sort of a fancy word, but I just get the feeling that the word is very fancy, but what what underlies it is actually quite logical. You know it, It's the idea that um, evolution, I mean technology, as it continues to advance, as systems get more and more intelligent, it's going to reach a certain threshold, a certain point, and that's called the singularity, right?
1: Right. Yeah, that point in time. And it's absolutely a hypothetical moment at this, you know, that no one can really predict. Some people think they know using Moore's law, but um, no one can predict when that will happen. But it's sort of a natural outcome if you're investing in your technology and you're you're using machines or, um, algorithms or artificial intelligence or any of these sorts of things, you're putting, um, time and effort into that. It's going to progress. And that point in time where it is actually able to overtake humanity, Um, I've always had an issue with the idea of singularity, namely because what does it mean to overtake a human um, if it means they can play chess better or pass an ACT better or, you know, te- you know, logic puzzles, computers are already have a- overtaken us. But if it means that our technology can actually make decisions, policies, procedures, and choices um, for the future of mankind, then that would be a singularity that, that most transhumanists are talking about.
0: And really, I mean, if you take a look at some of the technologies already out there. I mean, okay, you have very simple things like thermostats where, you know, it's just a system where it, it reaches a, a limit. It turns off, it goes down below a second limit. It turns off. That's very robotic. But then mm-hmm. you've got, uh, you know, automated stock trading systems. You've yes. got, uh, uh it, down there in California, you've got the Google car that drives on its own. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it starts. It starts to reach a point where I mean, these. It, you start to actually start questioning what, what it means to be conscious. What it means, because if, if as these, as these, I guess machines continue to advance and continue to do all the things that humans physically do, mm-hmm. at, at what point do these machines? Can you then look at these machines and say, well, they're somehow equivalent, or we've reached a singularity.
1: Right. I've often, I ask that question all the time, and I get different answers, but I like to think of, um, if you look at a child, and and right there you have a baby, and you can look at the development of consciousness, and an infant is basically running on programming. It reaches for something out of instinct or um, what we would call reflexes. There's the moral reflex, the sucking reflex, the grasping reflex. And all of that is to set up the brain and the systems and to get us to go from being handheld to walking, right? So there's nothing a child has to do in its consciousness to choose to do any of that. It will just, con- it'll just go through the process of turning over, sitting up, crawling, and walking. But some point after that, it's, it learns to talk. And this is a very, this would be more like what you see um, the Google car, you know, whereas the, the infant is, is like the basic thermostat that you were talking about. It's a set of instructions that it just blindly follows. The Google car now has this complexity of interaction that talking and speaking would be, but you'll often hear a baby say something like baby do, or um, maybe they get a little older and they realize they have a name and they say Michael do, but somewhere before they turn four, they understand the word I, I as it relates to themselves. And there's nothing you do as a parent to have that switch come on. Somehow I comes into play and there's humor, jokes, um, likes, dislikes, opinions. They can begin to argue. It, it's, a, it's a transformation that's completely different. And then you know this, this being has consciousness. You would never look at a baby and say there's no consciousness. But it's not fully conscious. And so that's where I think you can look at machines and consciousness. Most of them are like babies and infants. We're developing some that can talk and really interact communication-wise. But how will you know? And those things can pass a Turing test, too. How will we know that a machine actually has an understanding of self-reflection, of I in the universe, and that I have an opinion and a choice and a place in that?
0: Yeah, I don't want to go too far down the lines of uh, tropes or anything, but it starts to that that sort of behavior starts to remind me of uh, you know Hal Nine Thousand in two thousand one or Space Odyssey or maybe even Skynet, you know, where you will know for sure. We yeah, yeah, but yeah, they don't exist yet. But I guess maybe where I'm going is. We may know for sure, like by the time we know for sure, we could have already passed that threshold, you know, where where like all of a sudden. I mean, when when you've got machines who are looking after their own best interests and, you know, even there, it's kind of fuzzy because someone could program them to do that. Right. But I mean, there's some point where we'll we'll probably know it when we see it, because we'll all of a sudden we'll be sharing the planet with another truly sentient, uh, maybe either one or many different sentient different beings. types.
1: Oh, yeah. And I, I honestly think that um, it would probably be more like many because just like humans, their, their their relationship to themselves will be based on what kind of body and sensory systems that they have so absolutely like you know a car intelligence has a very different setup in terms of what is what are its inputs and how is it learning than say um hal you know um and or a mobile robot that's your assistant or all those sorts of things you know they they'll learn differently and you'll have all sorts of different they'll have all different needs really if if that ever comes to play but we don't even know how consciousness awakens in a human so i don't really know you know no one that i've spoken to has been able to explain how you go from being artificially intelligent to being artificially conscious
0: we've been going down this path for a while so' Long time. I mean the tra- the idea because you have the idea of transhumanists like just to I guess just to get us off the idea of the singularity in, right. in particular and exactly. just into the I- back into the idea of transhumanism.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and transhumanism will happen is happening with or without a singularity, and artificial intelligence has been happening with or without a singularity. I mean, we already need our machines. And every time we create more, we just we develop more of a relationship. I mean, imagine if the internet went away tomorrow, you know. So um, there, it's intertwined. Our technology to advance our lives is just natural. It's it's what we're driven to do.
0: Uh, some people sort of lament that. I I've actually spoken to some people, and they're like, it's such a shame that people require their smartphones to remember such and such. But I mean. The way I see it, if we didn't have our smartphones, we would go back to how we were before. And these days we have our smartphones, but that means that we have access to so much more. So the real skill becomes how to get the information, not necessarily to remember every single little piece of information, because the amount of information we have at our disposal is insane.
1: (sighs) It's insane. Yeah, I, I don't, it's it's out of control. And so it comes down to, can you ask the right questions? And, and actually, do you know yourself enough to know what you need from that information? Um, I, in a way, it's very liberating to not have to waste time memorizing dates and facts, and rather, how do the events relate to one another, and, and how do I fit into that picture?
0: Yeah, and I'm sure both you and I have uh, learned by rote in uh, mm. history class, in particular history, um this idea of just memorizing, you know, dates and, and things, it, it, it just takes away from the whole, like what people should be, in my opinion, studying like actual movements and ideas and, and, you know, uh, um, actual like uh, evolution of, of, of societies or cultures. So why not? I mean, why not like have it so that if you really care about the date, you can just look it up? other it's there in the memory banks it may not be inside your 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 own personal hardware but it's there
1: right well you know it kind of reminds me of that idea of um dumbledore being able to take things out of his head and put them in another place right so like we have this place now where we can put information and we can all share it and we don't have to hold it in our own minds anymore and i i actually think of that as a certain level of freedom
0: so tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh first of all, um based on what I've been reading, you started out as a software engineer.
1: Yes. I I did. That's what I majored in in college and afterwards went on to work in uh two-way radio design, mostly on the security side, um for Motorola. So that's where I began. Um and then I um, became a mother and continued work-family balance and then decided to um, work with my children. And after a couple of years of doing that, when like they got older and you have a little bit more time to yourself, um, I went back to something that I'd always loved to do before I was a kid and that was writing. Or when I was a kid, I was a writer. And then I became a software engineer. And so then suddenly the two, I, I remained interested in it and the two came together in um, uh, a, a science fiction novel, as well as writing a blog, because technology and human consciousness have just been an interest of mine for my whole life.
0: What's your blog? Uh, you see, you're still maintaining it.
1: I am. So my blog is um, it's called E Human Dawn. The same name as my first um, my first novel, E Human Dawn, is the name of that first novel. The second one is E Human Deception, and then I'm working on the last of the trilogy um, that will probably come out sometime in 2017. And the blog is on Blogspot, humandawn.blogspot.com, I believe. Um, and that is um, what I maintain uh, still. And uh, basically most of my uh, work is about technology and consciousness and how and society and how society is shaped by technology and all those sorts of things. Mostly the relationship that um, it has between nature and, and, and humanity and technology.
0: So the name of your first novel I have here is E-Human Dawn. Uh, yes. I guess the question that jumps right out at me, having not read this book, unfortunately, yet, is the letter E. What What is the letter E there for an E-Human?
1: Electric human. So um, it cre- it's basically... Um about 200 years out in the future when everything, including humanity, are devices on the network and that we live in fully electronic bodies and we have abandoned the flesh. And so there is an e-human, uh, and that is, um, at the opening of e-human dawn, the only platform for humanity that they know of at that moment in time, that all the flesh has gone to the wayside.
0: You know, when it comes to the, when it comes to the platform, um, so are you kind of talking about sort of it's kind of it reminds me of cloud computing or maybe certain companies like Google or some of these others where you can have data and then you you can store this data and and in a sense what you store the data on is becomes irrelevant, I guess, as as the technology moves forward. So it could be either within a fleshy kind of brain or or it could be in actual Hardware or something completely different. Am I out there or is that sort of what we're talking about?
1: Well, you know, this, um, when, I, when I first came up with this story and I started thinking about the various technologies that would enable, I would, I would, I would liken the e human more to um, the desire and dream of mind uploading having occurred or that what is our consciousness no longer living in a body of flesh but rather inhabiting a robotic body. And um, a lot of sci-fi takes that uh, um, image through there still being something like DNA or brain or something like that that connects the two together. And I, um, in researching various ideas, thought, what if instead consciousness wasn't physical, so to speak, but it was um, based on light or photons? And so that's where I got to the, this idea of um, uh, the technology that's in that book that makes it a little different is that Consciousness in this world is seen as um, an actual body of photons that are together the way carbon comes together to make your physical body. And therefore, it doesn't have to live in a physical body. This light or this data or this information could easily live in a robotic body as well if the technology was developed. And that's what this world is about.
0: I guess you could almost think of it as, is it more like like an encoding of information, I guess? Yes. Like a program.
1: It's like a program. And then what if that really was what our consciousness was? And the vehicle was a photon.
0: So, yeah, because that's where I having read uh, some of the synopsis that uh, we worked on together before the podcast, mm-hmm. I was just uh, that was, I guess, one of the questions I had, because if it's a program, I mean, that that does make a lot of sense to me. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm a programmer. I don't I've know. I've
1: often wondered that too. Because, <laughs> because Maybe that's why I see it that way.
0: Because it seems less spooky than to me. I mean, because there's nothing inherently alive about just the program. You, you have to take the program and mix it in with some sort of um, uh, device or 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 environment for for it to actually do anything. Are there, I mean am I far off on that or does that make sense? No, I some think sense? that's pretty
1: close. I mean without a body, what in the world can consciousness actually do?
0: That's it. And and the reason I brought that up because it's so easy. I mean uh re- ha- the first time I read this I thought is she talking about a soul? Uh, could it be a soul and maybe it might be a certain kind of Definition of that, but probably I'm thinking you don't mean like an actual ghost that floats around and
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, picks up oh gosh, cups, you know. No, um, and, and that was the thing that my uh, agent and my editor and I worked on because what was the name for this, right? And so, um, that's why we came up with the term luxe. Um, L-U-X, a, div- uh, a measurement of light, um, that what if that was what made us who we were um, and uh, and to go with it from that direction rather than use words like light body or soul or, you know. Um, now, what if that's what people have been describing all the time? I have no idea, you know, but for, for me, it was this idea of consciousness being um, a program that could reside in other bodies um, and you would just need to to surround that and, and create the right sensory systems for it to actually have an experience uh, or actually move the body, make it work, drive it, so to speak. Um, not unlike what we hope to do with artificial intelligence someday.
0: I mean, I've thought of this, uh, I guess too, the idea that someday maybe I would be able to download my, um, or rather upload myself yeah. into okay. a computer. Right. Um, it's it's interesting you know because I have a I have a workmate mate uh, I have a colleague at work and she she's like oh that would be great we could live in, in a in a computer mm-hmm. and and I'm like but you know what I don't know I think I'd want to live in a body like I I, I think I'd want to find some really attractive body and, right. and download myself into that and then she asked but why why does that well, make right. any sense to you and I'm like I don't know I guess I'm just Somehow I'm 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 trapped in this idea. I'm trapped in this notion that I must have a a body to be human. You know, right?
1: And absolutely. And that. And I sort of in developing the storyline. And again, it's science fiction, right? Because it, it's not at this point in time we don't really know how to do any of this. But I imagine what would it be like? And, and in all ac- actuality, in the rollout of this. Um, imagine CES, you know, the Consumer Electronics Show, if they just wheeled in a computer and said, you could live in this, very few people are going to sign up for that. But if they have these beautiful robotic bodies come out to like a good baseline, music, people, you know, oh my gosh, I could live forever in that. So as an initial state or product, I can't imagine it not being offered as a body, but that with time, and this happens in the series, um, you discover that many people no longer take a body.
0: And so actually, there's sort
1: of a jump, like there. It's an evolution, even in that kind of way. Like, how will the lux, which is what I'm using here, uh, in, to describe this, this element of consciousness? Um, it's how will it want to live? And with time, um, many would choose not to have a body, and many would choose maybe to go in and out of bodies, depending on what they want to do on Earth.
0: That's that's interesting too, because you know, um, again, um, this is gonna. I don't know how this will make me sound, but as I was spoke, speaking to her, I said, well, you know, um, so much of the what humans live for is, is based on, um, I mean, to be frank, uh, a chemical reaction in your head uh, to mm-hmm. a certain extent. So, I mean, you know... Uh, a lot of people might think, yeah, totally. I'm just going to get my consciousness downloaded into a, you know, an uber hot body. And then I'm going to go and, uh, have tons of, I don't know, sex and drinking and partying and have a great super duper time and, you know, get the endorphins flowing or whatever you want to say. Right. Um, and, and then I'm thinking, you know, a good meal, uh, you know, uh, so but
1: a program would also give you those same Well impulses. that
0: that's it. So then the question yeah. the question is like uh, I mean because the way that the body works I mean um and I guess you might see this with people who are addicted to some drugs as well. I'm not sure. I mean I had the conversation with her and I'm like, "Well, what if I mean, what if some people they decided that they wanted themselves to be uploaded into this new Existence, and then mm-hmm. they just they just said, "Okay, put me on a one hundred percent tap." Basically, yeah. give me Server. give me a. Oh no what i What I was thinking of is just a, you know like a, I, I want to have a an eternal orgasm, for instance. Right.
1: So they would have an application for that that you would that you would always run and experience because. Um, the idea would be that your sensory, whatever that, that process is now for taking inputs, would be activated in such a way that the consciousness that you are is satisfied. Now, if you didn't, and this question always comes up, if you didn't have a body in need of those, satisf- you know, how would you satisfy yourself? Exactly. But in general, um, humanity seems to be um, thrill-seeking, and that would be the the interesting thing. Is that because we live in the body that we live in, or is it because of the the type of um, awareness that we have. It's you know, a. It's I, a. That a fanta- would be the
0: question. It would be an interesting question because yes. another question. I mean, what happens like if they were to like wire you up? Uh, when I need there's no you. You'd be in a computer environment. You'd be in a an, an operating environment, and they just simply you know plugged you into 100% pre- pleasure or what have you. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you get bored? I mean, right. That would be the question. Or would you not?
1: And, and actuality, I mean, those things come up in, in, in both of my novels. And, and for example, the idea of imprisonment actually hooking you up to an application that provides torture the entire time, um, you know, there, and, and also the, um, the likelihood of people to abuse one another um, can get very high. You know, if you're in a computer, you just need to be unplugged and you no longer exist, you know, and, and. And yet, you know, if you're networked, could you exist everywhere? And so these things are always – I mean, that's just all part of that that imagination to, to – I think what science fiction does, or at least why I've always loved it, um, is it, someone takes the time to look into their imagination to take all those possibilities and kind of tell a story about it. And then it enables us to begin to think about those things while we're actually – uh, creating our technology.
0: So the name of the second book. So the first book is E Human Dawn. The second yeah. book is E Human Deception, and yes. that was just released uh, over the summer. So currently, yes. you're working on uh, the number three.
1: Yes, hopefully the finale. I kind of like triads, so um, I'm I'm hoping to keep it as a trilogy. Um, you know, that's that's where the story is going right now.
0: And uh, I've read here that it's been likened to sort of a modern 1984 Brave New World. That's a thought that crossed my mind immediately. And it crosses my mind, I guess, every time I use my email, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm currently using um, Gmail and I've been using it forever and ever. I have no, you know, ill will or malice to to Google, but at the same time, I'm keenly aware that they they have a, an algorithm that's capable of reading every single email I have.
1: Yeah, no, and and data data manipulation, um, you know, how do you access memory, what memories are you allowed to have, what thoughts are you allowed to have if everything is whenever I think the if there was some sort of underlying, you know, theme, it would be that when you decide to give any part of yourself to technology, you are essentially giving it to those who own the technology. And, and we should always be aware of that. And if you're using email, I mean, who cares? You know, Google sees you. If it's your actual consciousness or your ability to be mobile or not in the world, do you trust the entity that is providing that service? And um, that we should constantly think about that sort of thing. Um, and at the same time, I believe that while we're going forward in technology, we actually have the opportunity to become trustworthy because you can envision Two types of societies, one where people are constantly abusing each other, but you could also envision a place where this constant interaction forces us to actually be kinder and wiser um, to one another, that idea of right thought and right action, um, only because we're so enmeshed now that to do otherwise would be hell
0: on earth. If everybody has discarded their bodies, um, what does that mean for for people abusing the system i mean what if you're in an in a basically you're in an environment where resources are no longer physically limited right mm-hmm. then um are you really may, may, what, is there any sort of payoff to being, uh, to, to being cruel or, or to, to anyone, really?
1: It depends. I think it depends on, I, I mean, I would think that there would be none, and yet there might be some who um, provide the services, you know, um, that you're looking for here um, that, that are cruel still. What would be the payoff for that? Um, you know, still being able to have access to information and control people, and yet if there were no bodies, what does it matter to control? You would have complete control over the environment, um, why would you wish them ill will? I have no idea. And yet, why or do does anyone even wish ill will now?
0: Yeah, I mean, these days the only thing that I can think of maybe would be because of our physical forms, because of limited resources on the planet. But again, a lot of those limited resources are are self imposed, like exactly, based on capitalism yeah. and what have you, right? Exactly. So. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, it's just a story, really, that we're telling ourselves that's not even necessarily true. although in the in the case of data, it does it is abundant. it is it is abundant. And as long as you have memory storage capacity, it is it seems endless,
0: yeah, it's interesting because I actually I've walked through the woods in the past, and i've I've walked up to a tree and I've tapped the tree, and I said, you know this is real this is real but you know i've looked at the dollar bill in my pocket mm-hmm. and i'm like this is a fiction like all it's of this is fiction. just made up right yeah. and um but it's interesting because if you were to move into an environment like an, an actual um computer universe if you want to call it that it, it's it sounds biblical maybe but it's the word becomes true like i mean it becomes it it is the law like because you've eliminated both tiers in a sense now that's absolute i mean i don't know maybe maybe you would have um maybe maybe you would be able to flip in and out of physical form in a sense it might be useful to be able to download yourself to a a body especially Mm -hmm. if you're somehow untrustworthy and i Untrust, to Get me out of the system. To get right. me out of the system. You could be like a rebel, you know. You Absolutely. could. You could. It's like you're unplugging your internet connection. Oh no, I'm yeah. self contained. Well, um, and I do
1: think choice is a huge part of it. I think that as long as there is choice, the system can self-regulate. If there is no choice, and that's the only aspect of humanity that's supported, like we call it platform platform consolidation. If that's forced upon humanity, then then it, I think there's more chance for things like that to go wrong. It
0: becomes totali- sort of totalitarian, exactly. It
1: does. It, it's, it, you, it lends itself to that, very much so.
0: Um, so. And
1: so people should always have the ability to unplug from it. And of course, rebellion is, is always going to be a case, uh, you know, a particular situation like that. And you know, in, in, in any story, there are people that want to be able to, um, to live differently.
0: Can you imagine in a universe like this what a computer virus would be? Can you imagine? You you would have like something that replicates?
1: Yes, yes. I've got that. that, I got to figure that out to write the the last one uh, meaningfully, (laughs) the last story. (laughs) It is a virus. That's essentially what malice or um, individuals can become in such a situation if you were to go all the way out that direction.
0: So in, in this new world that we're we're building now, who who runs the computers? Or would the computers I mean, or would the computers I've, take care of themselves? I mean, it it might be possible that they might just be able to live on their own. It depends
1: on who owns the I mean, I honestly think it depends on who owns the technology at the time and what their plans are. Um and how they've designed it. It's the, the I, this is I mean, even I mean, if we pull back from that and go back to something that's more realistic that might happen, okay? So um, maybe a more realistic thing would be that um, geneticists discover exactly what gene in our genome switches on and why to cause aging. And they figure out, let's say that it's based on a hormone or certain hormone levels. And so a gadget is created that you wear, that monitors your hormone levels and your blood levels and your heart rate and all these sorts of things and makes sure that the levels stay at a point where this gene is never flipped on the conditions in your body are that way and so you're hooked up essentially wirelessly now and if you don't have that device um and i don't think this is impossible i think this is something that that is probably more likely to happen if you don't have that device you're going to get old if you have that device you're always all of your vitals and other information is always accessible um, but it keeps you young because it en- enables your genetics to ma- to 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 not begin to degrade, so to speak. It doesn't flip the switch. Um, what if that happens? Um, again, that seems like wonderful. And yet, who owns that device and all of the data that it collects?
0: Yeah, that's that's truly interesting. You know, this takes me a long way from back in university when I first ran into some of this stuff. But it was different. It was something called cryonics, and they went into mm-hmm. this a bit um, in the documentary that I saw just recently. The the idea that you could, um, as you're dying, someone could come, they could come along, and they could, with the use of uh, uh, cold ice and chemicals and such, uh, be able to preserve your body,
1: mm-hmm. uh, mostly
0: your brain, I would assume, so that I they, think they so, could yeah. bring you back later on. Um, But it seems now like that it seems like that idea of cryonics, um, you know, putting freezing you in a cryogenic chamber, have you. That came from the 50s. Like, I, I heard rumors that Disney did it. I don't know if that's true or not. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've
1: heard rumors a lot. A lot of famous people, more than you would think, are actually on deep ice somewhere.
0: <laughs> and yeah, you, you want to make sure not to forget to pay your power bill or that's it. Right. But, but I mean, the thing is that um, with these things, all these ideas came sort of before computers are the way yes. they are now. And now I look back at these and I'm like, you know, that might not be the most efficient way at all. But considering that they're already starting to grow uh, synthetic meat, mm-hmm. they right? Are. Yep. So, I mean, what's stopping them from eventually, you know, growing in synthetic body or, or, or having a body without a brain or having a body with a somehow to... I guess that might not be possible, but having a body with the ability for you to go into it later mm-hmm. on—it just seems like the idea of freezing a freezing a head or something is it came from an, an era that's uh, long past.
1: Well, it is, you know, and it's, it, and I think that there's that that that's for people that that hope that these. That number that two things will happen they hope that somehow whatever it is that is their consciousness or makes them them will will be stored long enough for that future when we have figured out how to make the body resilient to aging you know and 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 that aspect of it so that it won't die and so that i could and that we could actually go into that body um because right now that's not possible you know you we will age we've been making major steps between vaccinations and antibiotics like we've already prolonged our life and the next thing will be genetic modification in some way perhaps in our children um at the point of uh when when we decide to have them and they will have very different lifetimes at, you know as well but i do not, i would not be surprised if some sort of gene therapy is discovered to to um slow aging down um and people that are on the other side of Say their 30s or 40s um, might not be able to take part in that in quite the same way. So cryogenics is definitely for those people who who think they've missed their time or have because they've died before these technologies were available, and they're hoping that they can preserve something to take advantage of the technologies that they that will most likely come in the future. Um, but like you said, how do you get them into a new body?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, if for me to consider it, I guess I wouldn't really consider it unless there was some way to do a deep model of my entire brain right and just store it digitally somewhere because um, for me otherwise um you you know you might be able to resurrect me but because of 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 damage to my hardware it i mean the brain i I might come back severely mentally impaired or or who knows what right
1: yeah. And, and I think, and then it, we we start to go into a speculation that doesn't, it doesn't sound much unlike most religious beliefs. Like, you know, I mean, I would, for some reason, when you were talking about the cryogenics and, you know, pay your bill, you know, like you have to make sure that there, someone is watching your body for you after you die. Like there's an heir or an estate that does that for you. That's not very different than what an Egyptian pharaoh would do. And and be put into their tomb and then someone had to come and bring food or whatever they saw as necessary uh, for them to to be dead correctly. Um, and literally the first son was legally bound to make sure that that was taken care of while they were alive and eventually other people were paid for, you know, paid to do that. So, I mean, how long do you pay people to keep your body on ice? I, I, I don't know.
0: And that brings us back to worries that I have about, uh, you know, being uploaded to some sort of cloud. Uh, yeah. The idea is that I guess it might come from my, our cultural background or, 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 or the way our society is set up. For me, um, I would be like, okay, but what as a, a program or as a, as a lux or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it inside the system? What is it that you're doing to earn your keep? Um, yep. I mean, uh, what is it? What can you possibly do to learn to earn your keep? Right.
1: Oh, well, it would be so much different than what we have now, and 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 that actually with the um, automation and and you know the various artificial intelligences we are and will create, we may have that situation long before we've solved aging or uploading minds, where we have people wondering how to earn their keep. Um, When so many jobs are replaced um, and, you know, so much work that we do now, I mean, like driving cars around. I I read once that if self-driving cars really are implemented the way they see, 10 million jobs would be lost um, within five years of their implementation without a replacement. Yeah. And so I mean I'm just saying you know technology brings you there even sooner than science fiction it will bring you there to this point where what do you do to earn your keep? What do you, what do you do if your you know your job is no longer there and there aren't a lot of other jobs available um it, it'll be very interesting.
0: And that brings me back again to uh to another thought. There's so many different layers. I mean why why does everybody have to have a job, and why is exactly. it always about jobs? We have I, to. All I hear is jobs, right? Yeah, and yeah,
1: that's we're obsessed with that.
0: We we really are, and in the end, I mean, uh, my I don't know if it's the the. Uh, it, I guess it's because we've always had to struggle so much, but there could come a point where, um, as you said, because of automation, because of things like drones or or or, or machines that essentially build and maintain themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, humans are going to be a point where, you know. You you just don't need to work as hard. And one, what do you do? Do you do you uh, enforce a twenty hour work week and say, okay, no one, this will make it so that we double the amount of jobs we have. For instance, everybody needs to get twenty hour a week hobbies. Go, go do what makes you happy now, right? Right.
1: Right. Well, and that that a lot of people don't know what makes them happy. Um, But I think it goes back to your story of money. Like we've got a story about money. We've got a story about survival and our technology has actually changed that story and we haven't caught up and it will only change it more. And so we have to, we have to create new stories about human worth. And one of the things that always irks me is when people say computers will be better than us or blah, blah, blah. There is a realm of humanity. And, 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 and while we're still in these organic bodies, This realm of humanity is so important, and that's in the realm of care and creativity. And um, we love to be around one another. We love to be touched by one another. We raise one another. We help each other when we're sick. I'm not talking about giving medicines. A robot can come in with the right amount of medicines for you. But that idea of reading a story to your child or inventing a new story or creating music from nothing, that's in someone's head. And they find these patterns and they create symphonies. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that's unique to humans, but it is something that humans do very, very well. Um, and to invest in that or, or to understand those things is, is you know, is, is pretty important. And I can't see that going away. Um, and then there's a bunch of work that no one's doing right now that needs to be done. Um, and volunteerism, like you're saying. Um, I think that, I mean, I, I guess I've been a housewife for 15 years and I have never not been busy. So I haven't had a paid job in that way, and I have always been filled with work constantly. So there's a lot of work to be done, even if it's not a nine-to-five office job or manual labor in the way that you're thinking of.
0: Yeah, and some might even argue that that work—in fact, I'll do even more. I'll say that work is more important directly than some nine-to-five job where you're you're trying to get some contract out for, for the man. Let's put right, it that way.
1: exactly. Especially if it's a job created to give you a job, right? Because we have to keep everyone employed. That um, Some of those jobs are pretty, some can get quite meaningless.
0: So, uh, Nicole, I think we've pretty much reached the end of the uh, discussion here. I would like to uh, just uh, sort of remind our listeners about, uh, I guess, the books that you've written so far and uh, just let us know also about the book that's on its way.
1: Yeah, so Ehuman Dawn and Ehuman Deception they're both available on amazon.com as Kindle and paperback. Um my blog is ehumandawn.blogspot.com. Um and uh and I write um every week on that and I'm working on two things. I'm working on adapting the first novel to a screenplay. Um, as well as completing the trilogy and with the final installment um, that I hope will come out in June or July of 2017, maybe sooner. Um, it all depends on, on um, a lot of factors, actually.
0: Okay, Nicole. Well, thanks so much for being on the show.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: This concludes this episode of Share a Slice with Sean. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Slice's Podcast. You can follow Sean on Twitter at GodlessPoutine. Music is by Chromatics and is used with their permission. You can find them on SoundCloud. Links to the music, Twitter feeds and guest sites are provided in the show notes. Thanks for listening and tally ho.